0: Big news around here. Big news. Big Shh. celebration. Tracy is officially a published author. Woo-hoo! We talked about this when we first started the podcast. Yep. And the day has finally arrived. The long-awaited arrival of Tracy's book. Yes. So exciting. It has been a long process. I'm so proud of you.
1: Thank you. We, um... So, I wrote the book two years ago, three years ago, and it was going to go to print right before the COVID lockdown happened.
0: Gotcha. And
1: things literally just, I got so back, I mean, everybody was at home, you know, factories were shut down, etc. and things got pushed back, pushed back. I didn't think this day was ever going to come.
0: And honestly, it would have been great if it had been able to go publish because everybody was sitting at home. I know.
1: <laughs> I know, right? But but it's good. It's it's great. It was so surreal to get that email today and then to get the link to would, it being on Amazon and being on Barnes & Noble. Online
0: and, so far, but I would just like to point out, I was the first person to buy, buy a book.
1: I was so excited. I called Samantha right away and I was like, oh
0: my God, I screenshotted it and sent it. And as we've learned from previous episodes, I am a book nerd. A book nerd. And I am a Barnes & Noble member. And so I just typey typed myself in there and i swooped that book up as fast as i can mine will be here on the 20th
1: <laughs> you're funny you're funny so we it's called idp idp the incarceration diversion program the 13 components to criminal thinking and behavior and we are going to do an entire episode on it on monday um the 17th so and we're just going to go into what my program was what i did how i ran it and why this book came to
0: be but yes i'm just so excited for you uh and i, I just am so excited for everybody to get their copies and like even more see what a genius you are oh
1: you're sweet that was nice you're a genius
0: everybody will see it i'm Thanks. so proud of you that I'm very was very really nice you.
1: thank you it's pretty exciting it is very exciting i'm yeah it's a big accomplishment i think it's it's, it's a big deal
0: huge deal I could not type in my credit card numbers fast enough.
1: <laughs> well, I appreciate you, but we'll talk about it all on the seventeenth and let you guys know exactly what it is, exactly why I wrote it,
0: exactly how this came to be, which exactly. is kind of how yep. this podcast came to be a little
1: bit. Yeah, I mean, and it's yeah, it was the basis of literally everything that exists right now in in our lives. So it's it's pretty cool. It was a it was cool. It's a
0: very exciting day. Long,
1: long, long haul. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. So now you'll have another book to add to your library. Add it in. Add it in. <laughs> I get mine
0: autographed, so. That's funny. <laughs> That's I was awesome. like, if I'm the first one, does that mean I like automatically just get an autograph? So this is the part that I kind of think is bullshit, is
1: you're going to have your copy of your of the book before I get my yeah, copy. Yeah, I'm
0: getting like the very first book.
1: I don't even have the author's copy yet.
0: Yeah. I made oh, the, the mistake. Thing.
1: I made the mistake with my publisher of putting my post office box oh. on there, and the post office wouldn't accept it because I I should have had it two weeks ago, and so I I um, emailed my publisher and I was like, um, yeah, this is really really dope. This is really cool, but I don't have a copy. I don't have a copy of my book, and other people get what. And they were like, oh yeah, got returned because you put the post office box on there. I don't ever give out my home address. We've talked about this before. Like people don't come to my house. I don't, people do not know where I live on purpose. My home Mm -hmm. is literally like my sanctuary. Yeah. And so I use my post office box for everything. I own rental properties and the first house that I bought here, like if I need a physical address, I use that address. I don't ever like when people not when people but I mean if I actually need it for something I have to actually think about like if I'm getting pizza delivered or something I have to actually think about oh my god what is my address
0: right because I don't
1: I don't say it I don't give it out I don't I know I'm super weird like that like I just don't do that I don't know why that
0: yeah I have the problem of nobody can ever find where I live I order pizza and I have to like stand outside flying <laughs> <in my arm.
1: laughs> that's funny that's awesome but anyway yeah it's pretty exciting
0: we're very proud of you thank
1: you you're sweet
0: i'm excited to do the episode on monday yeah that'll be exciting it to will go be a bit more and uh, i'm excited to do that give everybody a little more insight if mm-hmm. they're on the fence about buying the book which uh. it shouldn't be because it's remarkable oh you're sweet you're
1: sweet all right well i am tracy i'm samantha this is the suspended sentence welcome on board what are you bringing me today
0: well i'm just gonna jump right in here when maddie clifton disappeared an entire town sprung into action when the whole nation watched eight-year-old maddie had mysteriously vanished from her neighborhood in jacksonville florida on november 3rd 1998. hundreds of volunteers will join the search party camera crews will flock the suburbs and two parents will try not to despair
1: oh okay so i love it and hate it both at the same time in the first 14 seconds 100 percent. i love the social responsibility and how everybody jumped in i hate
0: that there's an eight-year-old girl missing you're gonna hate this entire story fantastic so maddie was born june 17th 1990 in jacksonville florida and maddie clifton was raised at a time when parents just allowed their children to roam free it was not unusual to be told to go outside and play, and on November 3rd, 1980, 1998, Maddie Clifton did just that. But unlike every other time her mother would send her out to play, that night 88-year-old Maddie would not come home. The community would come out and try to find her, and almost immediately they had a neighbor in mind as a suspect. The neighbor had been arrested and charged more than 15 years earlier with two sexual battery cases, although both times the charges against them would be dropped. As it turns out, their their suspect was the wrong man, but someone they needed to be looking at was also indeed a neighbor. Hmm. So I'm going to just preface, I'm going to do this a little backwards than I usually do, and I'm going to tell you about the crime, and then I'm going to go into what led up to that. Okay. So the the neighbor they needed to be looking at was 14-year-old Joshua Phillips. No,
1: no, 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 no.
0: Joshua Joshua Phillips was born March 17th, 1984 in Allentown, Pennsylvania. In the, but in the early 1990s, his family moved across the street from the Cliftons in Florida. His father, Steve Phillips, was a computer specialist and was and was extremely strict and violent towards his wife Melissa and his son Josh. Steve also became furious when any other children were in the house when he was not there. Even more so if he had been drinking, which he was often. The freedom of, um which he w- he had been doing often, the freedom of one young girl and the fears of an abused teen would clash into with deadly forces. According to Josh, he was simply playing baseball in the yard when Maddie came up and asked if she could play with him. But then, according to his account, he accidentally hit her in the face with that ball. She cried out, screaming, and Josh, fearing the re- uh, the repercussion of if his dad came home right now, um, took the child, took her inside the house where he then strangled and beat her with a baseball bat to keep her quiet. Oh. But then he would push her unconscious body, keyword here, unconscious body, underneath his waterbed before his parents came home. Around 5 p.m., Sheila Clifton obviously is scared. Her daughter is not home. It's, I feel like this is the time of send your kids out, be home by dark. Yeah. When you're not home by dark, that's when you worry. It wasn't uncommon not to see your kids all day. So 5 p.m. rolls around, it's dinner time, It's she should be home. She calls and reports her daughter missing because she goes out, yells for her, she doesn't come. Be, right before nightfall, though, Maddie was still was starting to wake up because, like I said earlier, she was just unconscious. Josh would remove her from the mattress and he would slit Maddie's throat. With his leather multi-tool knife, he then would stab Maddie seven times in the chest before putting his water-filled mattress back on the bed frame. For the next seven days, the Lakewood neighborhood became the headlines of tabloids and news reports all over the United States in in report of Maddie's disappearance. Even the Phillips household would help look for her. Oh my God. So on November 10th, Stephen's Sheila Clifton were wrapping up a televised interview they hoped would help find their daughter. At that precise moment, Melissa Phillips was cleaning her son's room and noticed that his waterbed was leaking so she thought looking closer she would then find maddie's body and run outside to, to grab an officer so police were very stunned by this as they had searched the phillips home they had searched everyone's house in the neighborhood looking for maddie they had gone into this house three times and hadn't found her they had mistaken the smell as that was maddie as several birds that the family had had in the house apparently it was kind of like a hoarder house lots of birds lots of animals the FBI had even been become involved a few days earlier with because the, le- uh, the local police had yields to get results. And a $100,000 reward was offered for anyone that could lead to Clifton coming home safe. None of them had found her in those seven days. Before November 10th, Josh was just merely a ninth grader with a C average. Josh would be arrested at school within minutes of discovering Maddie. He was charged with first-degree murder, and soon he was the um, focal point of a national news broadcast. Everyone who knew him said that they were completely shocked. Yeah. Obviously, he's 14 years old. Like, that's not something you were expecting to hear. So many people in this tight-knit community were in disbelief once the news spread that Maddie Clifton's murderer, uh, who Maddie's Maddie Clifton's murderer was, that a judge ordered for his trial to take place in a county halfway across the state in hopes of giving them... A fair trial, fair trial, and curbing jury bias. Prosecutors disputed um, some parts of Philip's story, and the state attorney Harry Shortstein suggested that this murder may have been sexually motivated, saying that Josh had talked with about sexual matters with both Maddie and her older sister. The autopsy found no evidence of assault, of sexual assault, though prosecutors argued the lack of dirt and sand on Clifton's body did not support his assertion that her, clo- cause her clothes were kind of discharred when she came out, when they removed her body. And he said that he had drugged her through the house and that they had came loose from that. Mm-hmm. But there was no sand or dirt on her body, suggesting she had been drugged. Um, so that's why they think that maybe this was sexually motivated. But th- like I said, there is no... Ugh. Sexual assault. Prosecutors also noted there was no blood in the backyard to be found or on the baseball that Phillips said he had struck Clifton with and argued that this didn't support his, evident- his version of his mm-hmm. events. Uh, Josh's attorney, uh, Richard D. Nichols, didn't put a single witness on the stand during his trial, hoping that his closing argument was a lion's share for his defense and that Josh was a scared child acting out of desperation. The highly publicized trial began on July 6, 1999, and lasted only 2 days. Jurors deliberate, deliberated for barely more than 2 hours before finding Josh Phillips guilty of first-degree murder. On August 26th, the judge sentenced him to life without uh, life in prison without the possibility of parole. But a Supreme Court, the Supreme Court found that mandatory life sentences for juveniles was unconstitutional in 2012. Yep. Phillips became eligible for resentencing, and Maddie's sister came and test- testified that she was terrified that he would go free. She was quoted saying, She does not get the chance to walk this earth again, so why should he? When asked years later how he could just go on about his normal life with her body hidden just in his bedroom, Josh said that while he made no conscious decision to ignore it, He was able to keep it out of his mind. He was in denial and he claimed that he couldn't believe the reality of it. So he lived in his fantasy world like nothing had ever happened. When asked why this happened, Josh said that he didn't really know, something he maintains to this very day. Josh has stated that he could, if he could take it all back, he would. But when his resentencing date came up in 2012, after that Supreme Court ruling, the judge upheld his original sentence. And at the time, of him being, being fifteen, and being he was tried as an adult, but because he was still fifteen, is he's still a minor? Yeah, it's one of those weird things. Like you can be tried <clears throat> as an adult, adult, so you can get an adult sentence, but you also minor laws apply to you. Yes, which is interesting. Yeah, like how can you receive an adult sentence, but also you're still a kid? You know what I'm saying, right? Like how. Kind of like the good for goose, good for a gander. Like, how's that work here? Right. So, but because he was 15 years old and he was a minor, and due to the violence of his crime, like I said, he was tried as an adult through that. His age is still playing a, playing a part in his Supreme Court hearing, though. And so the original deal with that is he's up at his 25 years in prison. He's up to be reassessed on... Is quote, maturity and rehabilitation. Jesus Christ. 25 years is this year. So he will go back to court this year to Mm -hmm. determine if that sentencing will uphold. So throughout the original investigation and trial, and even through all of his appeal processes, because he's appealed this quite a few times, he did it in, I think, 2007, 2012, during that one, and he went back to court in 2020, and he will go back to court this year. Um. it seems that he said that he was afraid of his father and that's the narrative that's been playing this entire time is that this stemmed from being terrified of his father Josh's father Steve Phillips was understandably angry when he found out what was happening yeah I mean I don't know how I would react as a parent learning that my son just did that to an 8 year old little girl uh but in that he was clear, that he said he was horrified by what his son did to Maddie. But some of his actions and words throughout the ordeal do appear to kind of point towards an abusive father whose behavior could point to a deeper explanation to Josh's actions. Josh's half brother, Daniel, would describe his father as being a very angry man. Daniel stated that he and his other brother begged for Steve not to take Josh to Florida and to separate their family. And he said, quote, my father would always do whatever he wanted to do and nobody or anything else would stand in that way. That's the kind of man his dad, he said his dad was. If his dad set his mind to anything, that is what it is. There is no discussion about mm-hmm. it. According to sources, Steve, who was an active drug, ad- drug addict and an alcoholic, like I said earlier, was very strict about no children being in the house. He oftentimes came home drunk came home angry he didn't like anybody else in their business um even more telling into the kind of man that Steve phillips was was after the trial he was quoted saying um that they that the family and the victim maddie needed to take some blame and some responsibility for what happened to her if she had never came over he said none of this would have even happened jesus christ so he sounds like a real tool stand-up freaking guy These are simply some theories um, based on the reports available online. But ultimately, Josh is the one who committed the violent crimes. He's the one who did it. And no one is accusing Steve of supporting or encouraging that. Sure. But this is kind of where I kind of gave you a heads up on this one, but I didn't really talk to you a whole lot about it because I want to have your reaction. That sounds bad, but... I gave Tracy a little bit of heads up on this one because a big question that's all over is does physical and mental abuse, so say his father is everything that everybody says his father is, both of his sons, his wife, say that he's this awful, abusive man, can that fear of what his dad's reaction would be to coming home and Maddie being hurt in the yard... Cause the reaction that Josh had. I have an opinion, but I would like to hear what your opinion is on that.
1: Um, simply put, yes. Okay, why? Um, m- multiple reasons. But you have multiple things at play here. First, I want to address... Usually, I'm like... not sympathetic at all to murders, usually. In this case, like... I'm sure you could tell. Like I sat here with my arms folded. She I very was sad. I was quiet because there's so much. Mo- like I, this is really sad. Mm-hmm. This is really sad. Um, it it is it somewhat pisses me off that that cops' initial and go to thing is always it's sexually motivated crime.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The kid panicked. He he panicked. I am not just dis- I am not like downplaying what he did because that is absolutely horrific. But to the to the question of how how could you go about your life knowing that she was there for seven days under your under your mattress of your waterbed, you slept in that bed, you whatever. And he said what that he just compartmentalized. You went, fan- went to a fantasy world. It? He did. Okay. So I can speak from experience on this one okay when people go through trauma there is a couple different ways that they deal with it i have dealt with my personal trauma that i have experienced as a child the exact same way that he just described i can proportion my mind to it happened but it's just a story. It is a massive, destructive, toxic, non-healthy coping mechanism. It is not good to do. But I do the exact same thing, Samantha. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can, I can talk to you about things that happened to me when I was a child. And I can talk about it like it is I went out and got the mail. And then I went to the bank. And then I drove down the, I mean, because I can, I can proportion my mind to disregard it as severe as it is. I have to. It's survival. He described it exactly the same way, mm-hmm. so I can resonate with what he just said. That being able to do that comes from trauma. It comes from fear. Ordinarily, kids who are abused, people that that experience like significant abuse, like they're more likely to commit suicide as adults than than commit so than commit murder. But if you look at, look at all the serial killers that you know of. What is the first thing that comes out of all of their mouths?
0: Either neglect or abuse.
1: Yes. So tell me that it doesn't affect your brain. Yeah. And then there is, and we don't know, these these are just theories, but there is the, the psychological argument of nature versus nurture, right? How much of this is biological, His father is an alcoholic. He's extremely angry. He's raised in this environment. So you've got biological factors that play into into the equation of, you know, the aggressiveness. Then you've got abuse. Then you've got environment. Then you've got opportunity, you know. I mean, he panicked. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: He panicked. And... Oh, my gosh.
0: And I've said this a million times before. We can be, we can feel really bad for things that happen. To kids. To kids.
1: But not adults.
0: But not, yeah. but And also not the crying.
1: You yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we yeah. can still
0: have a different opinion about, like, that's horrific.
1: It's it, horrific. It is horrific. Um,
0: like, poor little Maddie, like.
1: Oh, my God. Uh, she didn't, do, she just wanted me, to play baseball. She, no, I know, I know. And I can't believe that I'm saying this right now. I mm-hmm. cannot believe
0: that these words are about to come out of my mouth. But I feel like there's two victims. Mm-hmm. Well, so here's my thing. Here's my question that I was going to ask, too. Like I said, she was unconscious. He beat her with the bat. And then hours later, committed the murder. Because she was waking up. And she was inside the house. Yeah.
1: And dad and mom were home. He panicked. If he didn't if he didn't do that and he didn't make her unalive then dad was gonna find out right yeah, I'm, like, staring at Tracy. Like, I know. It's I a hard... This is a it's, sad... It, it's awful, and it's hard, and I am never, ever, ever sympathetic to murders. Like, this is so
0: bizarre, right? Like, yeah. I don't know who the hell I am right now. I know, and I told Tracy when I first came over, I was like, so I did this one. Like, I did not go in as deep as other documentaries or podcasts I've heard, and I was like, because this one, like breaks my heart I couldn't yeah. I couldn't I can only do as much as I feel like I'm gonna cry I can only do as much as I did in this one because this one is brutal brutal I know and even me
1: like who am I right now like I can't believe that I'm saying the things that I'm saying but mm-hmm. I really do feel like there's two victims in this in this case and I'm <sighs> do you You would think that like juvenile murders is pretty uncommon, right? Like these are, and and they are for the most part, but do you know that like in the last, oh, I don't know, 40 years maybe, uh, I don't know. There's probably like, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head here, 1,500 to 2,000 murders a year that are committed by juveniles in America, which doesn't seem like a lot, but that's a lot,
0: especially children that are like these are this.
1: these are kids, and I'm not talking about mass shootings. I'm not talking about that. I mean, I'm talking about why not like this,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know? And maybe the situations are a little different, but but kids typically, I mean, they kill for different reasons than than adults do, right? The most common is payback or revenge. Like, somebody did something to me, so I'm going to do it back to them worse. Another reason would be, like, prowess and malice. Prowess and malice. Am I saying that right? I don't know what that is. Um, It's like, um, I'm trying, I'm so taken by this, by by this case right now. Like... It, it has to do with, like, ge- genetic components of being, like, a sociopath. It's, like, what I was just talking about, like, g- genetically.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, your, gen- your genetic mental makeup of, if I'm explaining that correctly, I think. Then there's personal dislike. Like, I just don't like them. I didn't want to be their friend anymore, so, you know, so I killed them, whatever. Then, of course, there's personal greed, personal... Personal gain. Yeah, personal gain, greed. And then there is delusional emulation. I don't know what the word emulation means. It's this fine line between reality and fiction.
0: Okay, so that would be, and this is a case I want to cover eventually, the Scream killers, those teenage boys, that their whole thing was they wanted to be like the Scream movie. And they killed one of their friends, a good friend of theirs. Yeah, yeah
1: where they're just basically reenacting things and they really don't see a difference between reality and and, and the movies, right? But, but abuse, and, and we've talked about this like over and over and over again, like especially with, with children and trauma, it changes the chemical makeup of their brain.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this kid panicked. And I mean... That sucks. That is absolutely horrific. But, I mean, two kids lost their lives. And it's because of the actions and the alcoholism of one
0: man. And this came back, because we talked about this in our, actually our episode yesterday, our death sentence one, about how, I don't know how I would feel if it was my my family, right? And that might change your viewpoint. Like her sister- and I know her sister's gone on a couple podcasts and told, like, her side of store, the story yeah. and stuff. stuff. Um, and, I mean, her comment about she doesn't get to walk the earth anymore, why should you? Like, I don't know how I would feel if it was my sister, you know? Yeah. I think that's really hard when you go from both sides, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: Like, so what is your opinion on sentencing on that, though? Well,
1: I, I, I think that there is no continuity in sentencing whatsoever. The reason that juvenile laws apply regardless of whether or not you're tried as an adult is because they're fifteen and fourteen, fifteen years old. They legally cannot throw that kid into an adult prison. Right. So he'll have to be held at a juvenile detention facility until he's eighteen, and then he'll be transferred. That's why. I mean that's why those juvenile laws are like that. And that's why. Could you imagine applies. a fourteen-year-old kid being thrown into a prison oh my gosh, with adult no. men? Yeah, you know that would that would be insane. I I am not really sure why, other than it's Florida and they're hardcore. Um, I mean, there's some states you don't want to f up in: Florida, Texas, Wyoming. Mm-hmm. You don't want to mess up here, because um, our laws are will throw the book at you. Right? Right. Um <clears throat> I'm not sure though why he got life without the possibility of without parole the
0: possibility.
1: At fourteen. But here's my concern in him being released after twenty five years. This kid is institutionalized. Well now. And that's
0: what I was just gonna ask you. Because that's I think I do want to cover a couple cases where it's juveniles because i think it's interesting in the sense of i mean it's tragic and it's definitely brings way more emotion clearly to both of us than. that sounds bad it's different with children and i think anybody that's listening gets what i'm saying i
1: hope so yeah but it it is it's different kids crimes are different
0: it's interesting in the The sense the why is more significant the why as well as sentencing yeah, I've no... you. We've done so many cases where adults have done horrendous things and not gotten these freaking Cindy Hindi living in Montana. I'm still wired up about that. Don't I know I started. <laughs> living in Montana when she right. did horrible things, right? But then it feels like we almost tried kids more aggressively. Yeah, which is kind of interesting to look at because I was trying to find one that had a traditional suspended sentence. Yeah. Good luck finding one. Yeah. But say that he this year goes to court and does get released. He has spent 25 years in jail. Yeah. In juvenile and in prison. Uh Uh-huh. There's argument of he's just going to come out a better criminal. He is. So. He is. And I I contest
1: that, I mean, all the time. Like, I say that all the time. Prison is an institution of criminality. That's what it is. So And to think anything different is I mean ignorant.
0: Right. So are we giving him a fair shot by letting him out?
1: Well, yes, with the correct exit plan. The correct exit plan right. would be hopefully they have utilized resources in prison to continue his education, get him, you know, he's had whatever work opportunities that he I can I believe in he there. got a
0: college degree.
1: Excellent. I, think I read that. Excellent. Hopefully he will go to like a halfway house or something and slowly be integrated back into society. However, think about that for a minute, and you can't even because I don't even know that you would even remember. But think about technology. Oh, there wasn't a. It wasn't when a thing. he was when he was fourteen, I mean, my twelve-year-old has a cell phone. I have to get help on my iPhone from my fourteen-year-old. He. He he has so much catching up to do. Right. And I don't know how much exposure they have to that kind of stuff in Florida. But, I mean, they're not just going to open the door and, and kick him out. I mean, I mean, if he gets out. If he gets out, hopefully they won't do that. But absolutely. He will not have social skills. He will not have work history. He will not have work ethic. He will not... And and I've said this multiple times. I would love to have a friend of mine come and do an episode with us on the prison system and the prison world. Because it is a different world.
0: Well, and you go in, think about, I mean, when you're 14. You're not, I mean, he was a freshman in high school. He has z- had zero life experience before yeah. going in. So the only, I mean, real life that he knows is prison. Yes. So then trying to come out and be a productive member of society with no
1: friends and who's going to accept him
0: oh and everybody knows this everyone knows about this case like i've started at the very beginning this was national broadcast yeah yeah you know the name yeah
1: and i wonder i and wonder what now i wonder if his dad is sober also
0: I w- let me tell you oh please do his father's dead okay he died in a car accident yeah so that's where his dad is Okay is that said? when
1: I don't know I just, you don't know,
0: I just read a news article that said since then since the trial um unfortunately mary Maddie's parents have divorced as well. the grief was yeah too much for th- that's a common thing too yeah when you lose children, it especially is. unfortunately unfortunately, you either are very, very close and you go through that trauma together or it ends the marriage, yeah, and unfortunately for them, it ended the marriage, and I do believe that Maddie's mom still lives in that house. Oh, wow. Like, to this day. um, And that Josh's father died in a car accident. It didn't have reason for the cause of accident. I don't know if that was mm-hmm. related to all of the things so, we heard or not. So, but... I
1: imagine, I mean, I don't know. I mean, hopefully they'll have some sort of, of exit plan for him, you know, and coming out. But, God, that one, that one actually makes me really sad. It's a really sad case. Those are the cases that keep you up all night. Those are the cases that you're just like, man. You know,
0: but I wonder if his dad ever. Well, and his dad's such a freaking prick. Not to talk bad about the dead or anything, but like blaming Maddie. Yeah, that's so. She needs to take some accountability for this. Well, she's dead. She can't do that. She
1: can't. and Or she did. She took massive accountability. And the ultimate accountability. she
0: wanted to play baseball with the kid across the street. You're a grown man talking about an 8-year-old child. Right. So, so, yeah. I think that's a lot of telling about him to begin with, though. I um had a
1: client who was a um a child who uh killed his father. And maybe it's triggering that in me or something, but we all predicted it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, we all we all predicted it and it was a case where he was repetitively emotionally physically abused demeaned constantly i mean not not i mean he killed the man that was doing it to him he didn't you know kill somebody else but but even though like it's horrific it's mm. horrific that that happened i can see it you know like i this case has two victims, yeah, and that kid has to. I mean, he now has to learn how to compartmentalize or proportion his mind to deal with what he did, out of fear, out of a fear, out of fear for a man that was supposed to love him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That sucks.
0: It's a sad case. I feel like it's just because, like I said, we had been talking about it was in our twenty-five or our fifty states episode. We were mm-hmm. talking about that kid killer. And so that kind of got me thinking, and I was like, well, like, how often, how, like, how much does that happen? Like you said, it happens a lot. It does. And it happens a lot. And that's just what's, I, I do want to cover a few more like this, just no, because. No, can we not? But here's why, though. Because it is, it is interesting how sentencing is so different. It, it's very,
1: why? It depends on the judge. It depends on, I don't, I have no idea. I have not
0: found one that is, like. Similar. Yeah. But we're getting, like, life sentences at 15, 16 years old. And, you know, they
1: they say that they give the judges, district court judges, the discretion to do that to weigh weigh options, right? Because some kid who, like, if if the scenario would have been different and if it was some, you know, privileged kid who was just, you know, being an asshole and, you know what I mean, not... I don't know how to say this in a in a non offensive way if it was a kid that was that was privileged you know lead football player, you know spoiled rotten lots of money, loving mother and father got to do whatever he wanted that you know just that scooped up a kid and took a you know and killed him and hit him and the... compared to a kid who is abused and fear you know this story that latitude is awarded to judge so that they could weigh these options and weigh these things and say, okay, there's a difference in motive in why you did it in the why in the why, but sometimes that doesn't happen.
0: Yeah. That's just why, like I said, I do want to cover the scream case because it just touched on another base that you just talked about. And I just died the sentencing. Like I said, I've, We've covered a lot of cases. Yeah. I mean, that's the fundamental of our podcast is the suspended sentence. Right. But there is none. But there is none. Yeah. So that's why I want to bring a couple, not a whole lot, a couple of these cases out there. I hate these cases. I hate these cases too. But I think it's important. Why are 15, 16 year olds getting a higher punishment than quite a few? What were episode... What is this, episode 28 or something? Yeah. 26? And, you know, and maybe the
1: idea, maybe the thought process is, is that if they're doing crimes like this at 14, then they're... Unsavable? Then they're a throwaway kid. It's what? I mean, it's the name of my second book.
0: What's the name of your second book?
1: It's like they can't, they can't be fixed. There's some things that can't, and if we let them out, then they'll do it to other people if they've started this early. Maybe that's the theory. I don't know, but I know that it's up to the judges, and they have the latitude to do that, and they just get to pick, yeah, I mean, they can take recommendations, but ultimately, it is whoever's decision that's wearing the black robe sitting at the top of the courtroom, and he can do or she can do, or they can do whatever they whatever they want to do, yeah.
0: Well, I'll give you guys a little break before I cover that case. I won't do any children killers. No,
1: please don't. That was awful. I don't even know who I am in this episode. Yeah, well. Because I'm never on the killer's side, but. Well, I probably only do
0: one more. There's one that I have in mind that I've. Yeah. Well, until you find another one, then you'll be like, okay, just one more. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that was not kind. I don't like these cases. Uh, I don't like. I don't like the toy box killer. Yeah, I know. Sometimes it's we don't have the funnest, funnest
1: job here. No. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. Stay safe.